Hey, and welcome to the Hollywood Palms podcast, where a guest is given a palm reading and we discuss their past, present, and their future. I'm your resident skeptic, Portland, and joining us today is a good one, you guys. She's an author, a comedian, a goat girl, a tinker, a tailor, a spy. She's all the things. Ladies and gentlemen, we may get married. We may just play skee-ball. It's Sarah Benincasa. We are here with writer, actor, model, activist, cat mom, Twitter phenom, and part-time goat. Wait, maybe we can get into that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sarah Benincasa. Hi, Sarah. Oh, hi. I mean, I'm a full-time, all caps, G-O-A-T, but part-time, uh, like a, a small goat person. That is part-time correct. It's goat, lovely to be goat here. lady. Mm-hmm. It's you wonderful are, to be here. Decode. I'm so delighted that you're here. We are going to delve into all of your business. Is that fine? Yeah, that's fine. It's okay, totally fine. Great. So what do you do in these days? Uh, in addition to being all of the things I listed, did I miss any of your uh, hyphenates? Do you want to explain any of those things? Did you say author? I forget. I said writer. Do you okay. Being a writer and an author, two different things. Tell me. Uh, no, I just was, uh, they're, they're the same. Um, I'm the author of, uh, four books, including Agora Fabulous, Dispatches from My Bedroom, Great, DC Trip, and Real Artists Have Day Jobs, and Other Awesome Things They Don't Teach You in School. So you can buy those books if you want. I'm also the host of Well, This Isn't Normal, which is an occasional podcast about stress relief that I do in my house when I feel like it. Okay. And so those are things. I hang out with my cat a lot. Um, I'm from New Jersey. I live in New York now. I have lived in LA twice and New York three times. And I'm a Scorpio sun <laughs> with a Taurus moon and Virgo rising. And before I agreed to do this podcast, I asked um, uh, General Hero and Producer Rob if you guys really believe in what you're doing and the reason is that I thought to myself well I don't want to do a palmistry podcast where we're just fucking around and making fun of it like if they really oh. believe it I am good I mean I also wanted to make sure you were not queuing on like I literally was like <laughs> and what are our politics like interesting because you have to in the, in the you know you that know, is the- a very good point actually that's a very mm-hmm. good point because you don't know us from anybody no, and I, I, you know, in the, the world of conspirituality is very, very real. And there's a lot of con artistry and, and fuckery and bullshit. And it intersects with the uh, systems of white supremacy uh, oh, very that. much. It's not us. You know, and I said, is this a white supremacist podcast? And Rob said, no, it is not. And I said, cool. He said, only a little. Uh, he said, slightly. <laughs> I said, eh. I'm sure you can, you can, you can help us out. You can change us. Uh, no, we're very much not that. In fact, we are, um, <laughs> we're swell. Gee whiz. Yeah. You guys are fucking rad. I was like, I need people who, uh, believe in spirit and believe in science. And I, I feel like I am philosophically, I am half Gully and half Mulder in that I believe in everything and I believe in nothing all at once. And, and, and you that is in a red Speedo, which works out. Yeah, I look amazing all the goddamn time, but especially when investigating aliens. So yeah, exactly. Very happy year. Fantastic. Uh, if only there was a way that we could get like a roach to like crawl across the screen of people's ears right now. Does that make sense? Like, you're with me on that, right? From an X-Files perspective. I'm- not so much. I'm, go- okay. <laughs> I'm just going to yes and you on that as a good guess. <laughs> Great. Yes. Cool. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Well, 
Uh, in terms of all the things that you were saying about being a Scorpio and a Virgo and a Taurus and a this and a that, and also a Corolla, like I really wasn't clear because I am your skeptic. I'm the girl that says, Quitla, why does this work every single time? So we're going to find out again whether or not he can work his magic, which he's going to tell you is not magic, but I'm telling you is magic. We got to go find him. Let's take a short break, find Quitla and get this going. Oh my gosh, Sarah, are you ready for this? Here comes Quila. Quila, Wazo, your personal poem reader does not. Where's my entrance music? I need entrance music you need every to time walk now. On music? Yeah, something, right? Uh, hello, Sarah. <laughs> really nice to meet you. Hi, Quila. It's so nice to meet you as well. This is the podcast with people with the best names ever. Isn't it? Portland, Polston, and Quila Wazo. That's beautiful. Like- Sarah Benincasa. Well, oh my god there's so many like sexy syllables between the three of us <laughs> producer name rob could you please write this sexy down syllables. new podcast yeah. idea just all people with uh great names like us and then we all just talk about them. <laughs> and all people who are like when people look at our names mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. unless they're from our respective cultures probably they all look at our names and go what are you and then they look at us and they go no really what are you yeah, no, wait <laughs> <laughs> so if you're ready, I think Quitla wants to hold hands with you. I would love to, uh, but also for the podcast. Um, <laughs> so, well, she's got two hands, so it's one for each of us, which I think works out well. Before we begin, I always like to ask, we always like to ask, have you had any experiences with fortune telling? So palm reading, psychics, tarot cards, anything like that? Doesn't, doesn't affect your reading. It's just something I am curious about, and I like to hear people's experiences. So I was raised Catholic, so I was raised with magic Understood. Um, uh, <laughs> in a franchise nightmare corporation. But uh, also, I have several tarot decks. I read tarot for myself oh. and occasionally for friends, but not professionally in any way. Um, I am a big fan of uh, my friend Jessica Lignato, who has a podcast called Ghost of a Podcast, which is very good. And I just got a reading on that podcast recently. And um, oh, good. So you can compare notes. That's great. No pressure, Guila. Well, but it, and it also uh. was in a different sphere because the way that, you know, all these different ways of um, all these different methods through which people attempt to make meaning of life and make sense of people's lives. It's a bit different. You've got astrology, you've got tarot, um, palm reading is different than that. So I, I've never, I don't know if I've ever had a palm reading. So I'm, oh. that's one reason why I was specifically excited to do this. I think it's so interesting. Yeah. Everybody, some people read, um, my great grandma used to read tea leaves. Mm-hmm. Some people read oh, coffee neat. grounds. Yeah. So, you know, everybody has their way. When, when the tea bag breaks in the morning and the tea leaves are usually spell out, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Ah, yes. start, I, it just says start over yeah. is what it says. Pour this out. <laughs> well, that's really neat. So then are you... Are you a are you a believer or is it is your curiosity because you're like this is all bullshit and I want to see the bullshit like in front of me? We're uh, I'm a I'm a believer and an unbeliever all at once. Yeah, you know, okay, all right. We, I think that we can if you read a sun sign horoscope in a newspaper, is that bullshit? Yes, but 
if if I read it and it says today you're going to meet a beautiful man and also your dog is going to throw up and then be fine. And I go, I hate men who look like my father. Well, I've just learned something about myself. So to me, the value in it is that I do believe there are some people with 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 psychic abilities and extrasensory perception and things that are not that we can't uh, analyze. Right. So I am a believer. But I also think that the true value is whatever you say to me today, what jumps out at me as either um, correct or incorrect or uh, fascinating or upsetting or whatever, my emotional reaction to what you say, that's where the message is. That's where I have to go do the work and go, why did that jump out at me? Interesting. And so it's not so much to me about you being correct or incorrect. These are silly terms to use what it is to me it what, what, what the value of this experience to me is um that it helps me investigate myself further and so i think that when people are providers of spiritual healing and scrying and the such the ethical practitioners um help people in that way that was extraordinary and i think that that is now what we're just going to tell people our show is all about all the things that you just play that for people this is yeah. Are. Well, it's it's you. It's the two of you. From what you've said to me, are exactly this. Like I think yeah. my philosophy is exactly this. Show is the melding of these two, and that's why it's so special to be here. Because you are clearly Mulder and Scully, clearly all all at once. So yeah. sexy in so many different ways. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited, but Queetly gets to hold your hand, so, so I'm also let's, jealous. Let's get into that. I love your take, by the way, Sarah. I, I Yeah, I, I have nothing to add to it. That's exactly, I think, what we're trying to explore. Um, I mention it pretty much every episode. My style of palm reading isn't channeling spirits or anything like that. I'm not psychic. I I don't think I'm calling upon any like extrasensory power here. The style of of my palm reading, and you will find out because I will walk you through it in painstaking detail. Uh, yes, you it, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, you will. <laughs> Painstaking. Go ahead. Carry on. Yeah. Sorry. I'm no, listening. I love. I like the reinforcement uh, that I should keep doing it that way. Uh, I I would. I feel like. What I'm trying to do is I can see a painting and I'm trying to describe it to you. Uh, so it is a collaborative effort. Uh, and again, it's, it is what you mentioned is I may be correct or incorrect, but it should still uh, invoke something in you, evoke something in you. Uh, and that will be the experience. Uh, okay. So having a look at your palm, you are indeed right-handed, right? We're looking at the right palm. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good. Uh, what I do is I read the four major lines on your palm. Uh, I will go through them quickly just for review. Again, painstaking detail over the next seven or eight hours, by the way. So I hope you have the free time. Settle in, everybody. Yeah, get comfy. Uh, so I start with your lifeline. Uh, I move into your fate line, your headline, and then your heart line. These are the four major lines that I read. There are millions more, but my system generally focuses around these four. Uh, So starting with your lifeline, it's the one that starts between your thumb and index finger, and it curves around your thumb pad towards your wrist. Uh, What I immediately look for in the lifeline are any breaks in the lifeline. Breaks aren't necessarily good or bad. They just represent 
traumatic events in your life where you have to put your life on hold to deal with something. Could be good trauma, uh, like winning the lottery. Could be a bad trauma, like going into a coma. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no in between for him. No, it it is a light switch. Yeah. So it's. (laughs) <laughs> one or the other, I don't see any breaks in your lifeline, which is which is essentially great. I, I mean, that you could read that to mean that, like, oh, I won't win the lottery. No, it just means that winning the lottery for you won't interrupt your life. You will just roll with that new uh, lifestyle. That feels uh, correct. I feel like I could incorporate <laughs> uh, winning the lotto into my existence quite easily with my zillions of dollars. Yes, yes, yes. And Good. also seemingly going to a coma also, you wouldn't miss a step. It's a nap. Yeah. It's a long <laughs> yeah. nap. It's a it's a traumatic brain injury followed by a long nap, followed by agonizing uh, physical recovery and, and neurological and therapy. therapy and recovery, which we would never minimize in a joke, which I realized <laughs> as I was making the joke. <laughs> So I'm just giving the transparency. <laughs> Apparently that would, I would roll with it though. We yeah. would, you know, Yes. That's yeah. cool. Confirmed. Uh, at the start of your lifeline, I expect to see a sort of stitch crosshatch barbed wire pattern, uh, which generally, generally represents like childhood for almost everyone has it. Um, the distinction is, is how long that pattern exists on your palm compared to everything else. Uh, the, the pattern itself broadly represents chaos. That's a really overdramatic word. It just represents a lot of change, uh, changes in direction of focus of your, your energy, your happiness, things like that. Uh, so I, I'm never, I just try to say I'm never too concerned about, a crazy looking start to a lifeline. Virtually everyone has that. It would in fact be really weird if that wasn't there. And I'd be like, I'm it talking would, to a robot. Uh, it yeah. would be disturbing if it would be sort of like um uh terrifying sociopath if if you came into this life set to do one thing <laughs> and only did that one thing with unflinching determination. And I'm not talking about uh, somebody who's an extraordinary athlete or actor as a child who does that their whole life because that's typically put on them. But somebody who is who doesn't go through the the natural developmental stages of um, regardless of of whether you're neurotypical or not, even neurodiversity incorporates so much, but you do go through a variety of developmental stages. And so from one point of view, it could be seen as somewhat chaotic in the early years through adolescence into the mid twenties. That, that makes sense developmentally for anybody. Well, I'm really surprised that you said exactly that you must be, I imagine very in tune with yourself. Uh, I mentioned that that pattern, the only distinction that I look for is really how long it is. I would say on your palm, it exists longer than I would expect. Generally there's a branch when the lifeline and, and the headline, when they when they separate from each other, that's generally the introduction into adulthood, and not really based on a a number like your your age. It's based more on like maturity and what's going on in your life. Your crosshatch stitch pattern continues down your lifeline even after that separation. So that would imply to me that that chaos of growing up continued for some reason into maybe your mid-20s. Could that not just point to her childlike sense of wonder? 
and her I, general delightful no, demeanor. Absolutely no? not. No, I, I, you know, if you, if her okay. childlike sense of wonder also involved, uh, like a chaotic manic state <laughs> at all times, maybe, but no, I, I would say no. And I'm not just trying to, you know, be negative about it. I'm just trying to. Well, I mean, I, it makes sense. I grew up in a certain degree of, of emotional chaos. And I mean, there's a reason that when I was 31, I published a memoir about suicide and uh, and agoraphobia and the healing power of comedy and creativity. Like that was my first book <laughs> and to publish a memoir uh, before, you know, uh, people often think like you only publish a memoir. That was my book, Agora Fabulous, um, that you only publish a memoir uh, when you're you've lived a lot. But in act in actual factuality, uh, people have stories to tell that are interesting at, at all different ages. Yeah. So what a memoir does is that it freezes you in the mind of some readers at that age forever. So sometimes it can be beneficial to wait. But for me, um, it was the right time to tell those stories. And, you know, I would tell some of them differently now because I'm 41. So I've had I've got more years on me. But that's but, not the um, point, right? The point is to share your experience in that moment. Yeah. And much of my, so much of my childhood and adolescence, which from a brain development perspective proceeds until one is about 25. That's when we really sort of lock in. Finally, that's the tail end of, of adolescence. Um, at least from, from that perspective, maybe not from a cultural perspective, but, um, so certainly well, when, I dealt you, with... when you're allowed to rent a car. So I feel like culturally we have embraced it in this country. <laughs> yeah. We... Avis and Hertz figured the shit yeah, out yeah, yeah. a I long mean, time ago. Why do you think they call it enterprise? <sighs> there you go. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> no idea. Right, sorry. sorry carry on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so that, that makes total sense for me. Um, that was a lot of mental health struggles and issues throughout that portion of my life. And, you know, I mean, I didn't get sober until I was in my mid thirties. We never stopped developing and growing, but that's not a surprise to me whatsoever that that would be there. So along those lines, that was kind of a pun, uh, along, along what we're talking about, there's a particular line, <laughs> a very strong one that comes from around your thumb and it cuts across your lifeline, your headline, and then shoots up sharply to your heart line, which again, I'll, I'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but this line coming from the thumb area, the thumb area itself representing family or expectations put upon you or responsibilities or things that you put upon yourself because you feel obligated or responsible to do so. Uh, that is the general thumb area. There is a heavy line that comes from the thumb uh, and then cuts across your lifeline in particular, since that's the one we're reading right now. Right where it cuts across is essentially where that crosshatch stitch pattern stops abruptly. So mm. there is a entity, uh, uh, a singular idea, or perhaps a person that would be familiar to you because it's coming from the family section. And again, family is a loose term. It really is more about like it being a familiar feeling or familiar person to you. We could be talking about an ideology. You mentioned growing up uh, Catholic. There was something at around 24 to 26, I would guess, that was an event for you. It seemed to have put to rest all of that crosshatch stitch pattern chaos. It was an event for you that sort of um, solidified your path from that point forward. 
it had something to do with your happiness as far as like your quality of life. It had something to do with how you thought or perceived information because it crosses your headline and it crosses your heart line. So it was something, there was a, a very strong emotional component to it. So it's, I really feel like in this situation, it's either a person uh, that was at odds with you uh, and there was some kind of a, I don't want to say final confrontation, but there was a definitive confrontation that then reset how you lived your life after that point. Or it was some kind of an escape from, like I said, a, a cultural situation or an ideology or something that was overshadowing and overseeing your young adulthood and growing up and whatnot. It, it, it was something that caused all the chaos in you. There was some kind of a confrontation or I don't really see it more as an epiphany, but it implies that this confrontation clicked something in your mind uh, although the the source of the confrontation was something familiar to you and something that you had a very strong emotional connection to, but mm. it clicked something in your mind. And so, again, my interpretation there is everything after that line swoops through your palm, the rest of your lines look different after that. I, so. I would say that, so let's say that was around, did you say like 22 to 26? I forget what age. I, I think it's 24 to 26. I, probably I, coming out to my dad, I think is bisexual. I think that was probably, because my okay. mom already knew. Um, but I would say that that was probably, I mean, that's the one thing that I would point to that would be significant to that degree. Um, that probably you know, in, in various ways, I think made me certainly feel that I was being more honest and real, um, with that parent. So that could be it. It could be that, um, there've been different, different major events, obviously, and as, as there are in anybody's life. And particularly when you grow up in a home that has, uh, and in a family that has a lot of uh, mental illness in several generations and in different branches of the family tree. So um, I, I think that, that that could lead to some of the chaos that I described earlier. But I would say probably it was that because it wasn't uh, I mean, it was a little tense, but ultimately was very um, affirming and welcoming. And, you know, I really appreciate that he uh was able to take that information in and be loving and kind. Like I, I really, I, I did luck out with parents in so many ways. Uh, and, and that is, you know, that is certainly one of them, their, their ability to embrace people of different um, sexualities and gender identification. So uh, yeah, probably that, I think, actually, I think I underestimated at the time what a big deal it was, but it actually was a huge deal. And I see that now. Sometimes I think these big events happen and when we're, when they just happen, we can't quite process them um, because they're so overwhelming. They're so sad or, or they're so joyful. Also, we just don't have enough time in our life to look back and see how they will um, cause changes moving forward. But I would guess that it was, it was probably that. Um, and I think that is part of what enabled me to, uh, you know, be more honest in storytelling and 
be more honest when I was doing stand-up comedy mm-hmm. and eventually in my writing. I mean, I've always been a writer first, always, always, always. And I don't perform very often. I act once in a while, but I don't perform on stage very often at all. Like I haven't done stand-up in years, but I enjoy obviously talking and listening and um, being in front of a crowd sometimes. But I, I don't think that I would have been able to bring um, a feeling of experimentation and play to it or an authenticity to it if I couldn't sort of tell as many stories as I wanted to. So that was a very important part in, in point in my life. I understand now. Was that moment, uh, we're, we're, you know, we'll go down this road then. Was that moment, was it a moment or was there, uh, after effects that lasted for a number of years? The reason I'm asking is further down your lifeline, there seems to be more information that is presenting itself as like fallout from whatever that moment was. I'll, I'll get into that in painstaking detail, mm-hmm. but I'm just curious if I, I'm in fact going down the right road with this interpretation that it wasn't a, a watershed moment. It was something that had to sort of happen and was a process over a very long time. The time span I'm talking about would be years. Oh, in that case, no. Because, okay, um, all right. I mean, I, I have to repeatedly explain what bisexual is to my mother because she gets confused. Uh, I have to, like, re-come out to her several times a year. She's like, so you can have a boyfriend and a girlfriend? I'm like, no. That's, that's polyamory. <laughs> well, I'm all right. Well, I have to person. rethink it myself then because my understanding is, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> okay, so may- maybe, although as as wonderful I think as that moment is I'm, I'm not certain that that is the moment. Uh, and, and let me elaborate why I'm, I'm wondering why I'm, um, uh, doubting myself on this. Uh, so there's that line on your palm right after mm-hmm. that is essentially where the crosshatch stitch pattern stops, which would be all prior to that moment. Uh, right after that line, your lifeline definitively splits and goes on its own path. Uh, what I see immediately after that line is there are small parallel lines parallel to your lifeline on the inside of that line. That would be the thumb pad part of it. Those... It's just like a Gwyneth Paltrow sliding door situation. It is. Oh, my God. Like, yes. Oh, yes, it is. You're uh... so good at interpreting all of this. <laughs> Portland, Cuba. Are you serious? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. not. I was so excited. Those those parallel lines uh, generally represent some kind of a buffer or some kind of a wall that you construct in order to protect yourself from Mm -hmm. other lines that are trying to distract you or take away your personal energy on how you live your life. I'm mm. so those lines are the ones that radiate from your thumb and they try to cross your lifeline. So they'll look like that, like a starburst pattern, but across your entire thumb pad, again, focused around your thumb and radiating out. The lines that are perpendicular to that are the lines I'm talking about. You have two, maybe three uh, of those buffer lines but they only exist for a short period of time, less than 10 years, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Those lines are there. However, the radiating lines still go right through them and right through your lifeline. 
the radiating lines are expectations being thrown at you or responsibilities that you are deciding to shoulder on yourself. Uh, the buffer that you put up, multiple buffers, coping mechanisms perhaps, were ineffective. So you apparently were trying something. It could be using you know, drinking, substances, something. It could be uh, avoiding people or moving away from things. I don't know what they are. My real point is whatever those coping mechanisms were, were ineffective. The lines were still breaking right through them. Uh, and going into your lifeline, some of them even continued onward. The palm reading advice here, though, I'm you know, before I even get to that then, we are, you are already beyond this situation. Like I said, this would have been the last 10 years. Uh, this doesn't appear to be currently happening for you. I'm bringing all of this up so that we can sort of uh, backtrack to see if we can still identify what that swoopy line was, which is why I was asking then if you coming out, for example, to your father had some kind of a fallout that you had no. to insulate yourself from. So I, I'm not certain, according to your palm, that that was it. As definitive as that moment feels from your description, this feels like something that had a fallout, that had repeated arguments or confrontations or something, again, from something familiar to you. Might not be a person, could be something cultural, ideological, what have you, but it was repeated confrontations that you tried to have a system to insulate yourself against because you were sort of done with it, but it was still being thrown at you. Uh, and it was still reaching you despite you're trying to in insulate yourself from this. If there was a person, for example, that you were very worried about or a person that was problematic in your life, uh, not to be insensitive about it I, because I don't know what's going on, but if there was someone who had issues that kept being injected onto your life that you had to deal with in like yearly increments. It would be something like that, that there was an incident with a person, someone you were very strongly emotionally connected with. There was something, a confrontational, uh, a head related confrontation I don't really mean like argument, but there was some kind of meeting of the minds or butting of the heads. You came to a conclusion, acted on it, and moved on. However, this person's, this, their deal kept coming back onto you, and you were having to deal with it over and over and over hmm. for ten, you know, 10 I, years or I so. I don't. I mean, I don't know who that would be like throughout my life. My relationship with, with my mother has required a lot of work um, and a lot of care and, and learning boundaries around um, codependency and all sorts of things. But that's, that's been perpetual. That did, that didn't explode at that point in time, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really don't know. Could this be a breakup? Could this be graduating college? Could you know, whether, what else could this be? There's yeah. I'm, I mean, you know, I certainly dated and broke up with people. There was the the large, the, the big points in my life that I point to on a timeline that were instrumental in fundamentally changing the way I looked at the world um, other than, or, or the way I experienced life, other than, uh, than the aforementioned, like, coming out didn't happen during that timeline. They yeah, happened okay. 
before and after. So I don't, um, I mean, I can't think of anything right now that Mm -hmm. it would have been, especially related to family or a strong emotional connection. Uh, Family, just to be clear, is still a general loose term. It would just be anything familiar to you. So I I keep trying to hedge my interpretation that it doesn't have to be a person. It could be a group of people that are an entity, like loosely in your mind. Uh, Or it could be, uh, you know, like something cultural or something ideological. Doesn't have to be a person. We'll, We'll move on. Uh, I mean, it's like I said, we're or you were already past this on your poem uh, and it looks like you've learned from it. The the only danger and and that's what I had interrupted myself, like as the palmering advice here would be to be wary that you don't set up buffers or try to insulate yourself from situations uh, without looking first to see if they are effective or not. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, drinking or something, some kind of coping mechanism, it would behoove you to see if that coping mechanism is truly effective at making you happy. Uh, and this is the focus of the lifeline is about your quality of life. How good are you at making yourself happy? So when I say that it's distracting you or it's taking your energy away or whatnot. Uh, our focus is on about you living life in a happy way as opposed to like career or relationships or anything like that. Um, but like, I, I said, mean, I moved let on. me think like, so when I was, how old was I, when I started stand up, um, I, know, I was like 25, I think, uh, I think I was 25 when I started stand up. Um, but that that was that was when I started. That wasn't when I stopped or walked away. You're talking about something that I I walked away from during that time period. There was there um, was a, a moment or some kind of a confrontation with either a person or, like I said, like a group or an entity of some kind, where that confrontation was definitive enough for you that it made you make up your mind about how you're going to perceive the world, and it mm-hmm. also made you understand that you can live your own life and how to make yourself happy, that, that, that power was in your hands. And that's where that head and lifeline split. That's why it happens. You have come to that moment where you're starting to think like your own person and you are starting to seek out your own happiness versus okay. having well, to be dependent uh, on somebody. So when I was, how old was I? Uh, when I was 26, I think it was. Yeah, I was 26. I was, um, I decided around 25 or 26. Uh, 24, I entered a master's degree program at Teachers College at Columbia University, which I finished and I enjoyed being a teacher very much. But that was, I had taught for a year in the Southwest after undergrad and then went to graduate school. Uh, and I thought I was going to be a high school teacher um, in a public school or independent school. But uh, that I decided I started doing stand up. Um, I started doing stand up early 2006. So I was 25. Um, so that's I decided that I was going to go into uh, really focus on on um, 
writing and comedy performance because I had always really wanted to be a writer. And my idea was, okay, well, what do I do on, I I can only do that on the side. So what do I do for my full-time gig? So I thought about being a college professor. I didn't get into an MFA program, which is what you need to teach creative writing. And so, and thank God I didn't, but uh, I thought, um, okay, well, I'll be a high school teacher. I like teaching high school. I did a year in the AmeriCorps program and, and I liked it very much. And so um, it was very difficult, but I was like, I could be good at this. So I went into that grad program. And while I was there, I remember the first, <laughs> the first, like, it was like an orientation day with this little orientation group. I started crying and I was just like, I'm sorry. I just don't feel like I'm supposed to be here. And I don't know why, because all of you seem so great. And I can't believe that I got into an Ivy league school. That was, I never thought that would be possible with my grades and it wouldn't have been with grades alone, but I had teaching experience and my students wrote really good recommendations for me. Um, But I realized I loved it. I love teachers college. I'm a huge fan of teachers college, big fan of teachers in general, but um, I decided to go on a different path. Um, when I was like 25, 26, and that was hard to tell my parents, like, I'm going to do stand up comedy and be a writer instead of being a teacher. So what? I think maybe that was it. What I'm having, uh, it's just out of my own curiosity. I, was it like a, a reaction of like that, that imposter syndrome, or was it like you truly understood this isn't the path for you? Truly you... understood. It wasn't the path. For oh, me, okay. Day one. Okay. And I was like, how the fuck do I deal with this? I got a little scholarship. I'm taking on a bunch of debt. My parents are helping me pay my rent. Like I've, I've gone in, this is a big thing for my whole family. This is huge. Like nobody in my family has gone to a school like this. This is a big deal. Nobody in my family has lived in New York city, like all of this stuff. This is this huge, like they're so proud. I went through so much with like Um, you know, being suicidal, dropping out of college, a bunch of shit and got stuff together. I'm more on track. This is like, I need to get this piece of paper and have this career as a normal person (laughs) to prove that I've got it together now after at one point in college being confined to my bedroom because I was afraid to even leave to use the bathroom, like really sick, Hmm. really deeply troubled and thank god i had i had access to healthcare for a variety of reasons number one being privilege in this country but um this you know a few years down the road was like okay now this is the thing and to walk away from that from this highly respectable at least in my family career um and be like yeah i'm going to i'm going to get the degree but i'm going to go do this other weird shit this artsy shit and work different media jobs and whatever i need to do um that was i think you know, it was really a defining, uh, a defining moment. And uh, I- I'm certainly glad now, but it was a choice to sure. do weird shit instead of a, <laughs> a a path that, that was sort of laid out, you know? Well, I feel like you made the right choice, but. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, but it was scary. Okay. All right. Uh, so I, surprisingly, we're still on your lifeline. There's so much information on your poem, uh, the rest of your lifeline. So that would be essentially the bottom half. It has a nice smooth curve, which I like to see. It doesn't extend too far out to the outside of your palm. That is away from your thumb. Uh, the bottom part, the cheek of it, if you will, uh, goes nicely around your thumb pad and runs right off your palm. So the length of your lifeline has nothing to do with how long you live. It is, as I said earlier, more about how good you are and making yourself happy. Your quality mm-hmm. of life, not the length of your life. 
Uh, and so I like it. Um, the one other detail then is sort of near the heel of your palm. Your lifeline has a almost a peak. It sort of bumps out a little too far for my taste uh, compared to the rest of the arc of your line. Like if I imagine how I think it would look, there's there's like a little bump out uh, right at the heel of your palm. Uh, and at that moment, there's a crosshatch pattern, a stitch pattern on the lines. Again, we said that sort of represents conflict or chaos. And mm-hmm. then there's a line that shoots off of that and shoots off your palm the other way, crossing your fate line and then off to the side of your palm. Uh, that line looks awfully similar to me to the one we've been trying to identify for a while, the swoop line that comes from above your thumb. And then there's another one that sort of originates around your fate line here, and it shoots off this way. Uh, There's another, a fourth one, that starts from your thumb and shoots off this way. They're all going in the same direction. They're all sort of parallel to each other. They're all coming from the thumb pad-ish area, if I sort of extend those lines. Uh, Is there someone in your life... I, I don't... It wouldn't be like an enemy. Somebody who is constantly naysaying you or is at odds with everything about you? Is it you? Do you have an aspect of you that is very negative on all of your decisions and how you feel and think about things? Is that you? Um, Probably. I think, I mean, we all have an inner critic. And so I think that I certainly have one. And when you are somebody. Pretty extreme. Not sorry to interrupt you, Sarah. This would be pretty extreme. This isn't like a, like a, like, an inkling of self like doubt. Loathing, or is this, this is as an arch nemesis. This is close to to a self loathing. I I'm being very hedging on that interpretation, only because try as this voice might, you are far stronger than it. It does not affect your the your lines. It affects it at one point, which is at the heel of your palm. Uh, And that one point is implying that there are moments where this voice, this perhaps this side of you is affecting your happiness. Like, is there a specific like age tied to that point? No. And this is why I was having trouble with these lines. It's all of your palm, not tied to a specific age. The major one starts what I was guessing. That was my 24 to 26 I very well could be wrong on this. This could be a little bit later uh, because it's palm rating and it's not exact. <laughs> I could be as much as five years wrong in either direction. I try to get as close as I feel with it based on the length of lines and whatnot. This could be later than that as far as mm-hmm. I know. But now that I look ahead on your palm, like I said, it, it is approaching self-loathing it's some kind of very negative aspect that touches every one of your major lines it well yeah tries to get you for for anybody who is listening who um is doing the work of sobriety whether it's from alcohol it's from um 
it's from uh, it's sex, it's love, it's gambling, it's um, any form of substance. Um, it is an abusive relationship with food. Anybody who who is doing the work of sobriety and trying it, you know, one day at a time, whether you're in a 12 step program or you are in some other form of, of care for it. Uh, typically, it, my understanding of addiction is that it arises from um, a combination of biology and from circumstance. It's nature and nurture. I look at it as a spiritual affliction as well. Um, but it is it has gifts in it, but it also is something that touches every portion of one's life. So if you are somebody who wants to not feel your feelings because for some reason you don't feel safe doing so or it is intolerable to do so, you are going to find different ways to do that. And that is going to manifest in different ways for different people who have that whether you look at it as a personality type, you purely look at it from a medical perspective. There's so many ways to look at it. And I never try to impose one understanding of addiction on anybody because I'm not an expert on anybody but myself. And I'm not even sure about that most days. So that does, that impacts every aspect of, of a life. Um, and there are gifts in that and there is struggle in that. And there is a lot of pain in that. And undoubtedly, one of the fundamental issues for addicts is um, is self-loathing, is self-hatred sometimes, is not wanting to be in our own skin. I've brought up, you know, suicidal ideation, which is certainly a part of my story. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I've been in, thank God, I saw a social worker for the first time when I was 14, because that's what my family could afford at the time. And, um, you know, have been in therapy on and off since then. And I've been super fortunate in that way. Uh, and sobriety became a part of my story um, when I was 37 um, and I'm 41 now. So like, yeah, that's, okay. that's all, all right. you know, addiction so you've done doesn't just like. You've done a tremendous amount of work and you are so self-aware and it's extraordinary what you have overcome. But is it possible that this is just an arch nemesis? Can you just give us a name? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say palm reading wise, absolutely. If you have her somebody... name is Sarah. Uh, <laughs> she's really hot. She's got a great body. She's stunning, and I don't, you know, I don't know what it would be like to be her because uh, it's so great all the time. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, okay. like not uh... to negate your experience and you know all you've been through and all you've overcome and, and accomplished, but I really just want, it's healthy I just to want do a that. name. I, you it's, know, it's the, Sarah the, Benincasa. The, the positive side <laughs> of this. Of I've heard of that girl. Sarah, the positive side of this, of course, is I've been pointing out all of the information going on earlier on your uh, lifeline. The rest of your lifeline, like I said, looks fabulous. It looks pretty much ideal. There is the hint that there is a continued struggle for recognizing what will make you truly happy as opposed oh, to hundred percent. Right. right. Yeah. So, okay. So that's on your palm. But like I said, it's all of these lines that I was not piecing together until just now, they're not strongly affecting your, your lines they're not throwing everything into chaos. Uh, and it looks like, except for like what I said that you had coping mechanisms that were ineffective aside from that, which is again, already in your past, uh, 
your your focus, your energy is being put onto things that are are productive for you. That that everything, per, perhaps it's just the work on yourself. It is all apparently being very successful for you. Your lifeline indicates that there are no real deviations for you being able to recognize how, how to be happy. Uh, so I think I think that's good. I, I think if yeah, the, it's, if it's, the it first forty ish <laughs> years of your life were were rough or took a lot of work, I feel like you've built, according to your palm, you've built enough foundations that the the remainder will be easier. Uh, dare I say even like it'll be, I would say it'll be downhill from here, but I don't mean like, <laughs> like crappy <laughs> downhill. I mean, it'll be, you know, uh, smooth uh, from here. Yeah, I think when, when you, um, I have been fortunate, I mean, I, I, have, I have a lot of help lot of help I don't do it alone and that is I am lucky to have um you know something that comes up for people who are addicts is that we isolate a lot this is also going to sound familiar to anybody who gets depressed you don't have to be an addict to be somebody who tries to protect yourself by um by uh by building walls around yourself right um and uh one of the reasons that I chose to come back to New York city was to be closer to family in Jersey, but also because I know that this is a city where if I look out, I, I can't ever create the delusion in my mind that I am all alone when there are people like having meltdowns or falling in love outside my window at 3am. So it, it, being in community is hard for me, but I, I can walk out my door and say hi to people every day at any time of day and night. And that is you would think that somebody who's dealt with, with a lot of like phobias and anxiety and shit would, would not want to be in a city because there's so many different. There's so many opportunities impact, right? for those things to come up. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, you would yeah. think for sure. And and that's true, but, but it, nothing takes you out of your head faster, like uh, having to react to another person. And um, if my tendency is to be a little hermit and that can be healthy, it can be healthy to be a little like uh, a, 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 somebody who, you know, spends time alone to regenerate and replenish, but we have to reenter the world and being in a place where there's so many people around, like that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's very helpful. I mean, I think like my life um, now, like I, you know, I have a full-time job at a nonprofit. I also do acting and writing and different things, but I think that it has settled down a bit uh, in part because um, I stopped trying to fix it with, booze or sex or dating or spending or working my ass off all the time um and started to sort of like you know chill out and try to learn more and be around other people a bit more and be present with other people yay yeah that's really yay! Neat yeah. I mean, no, I, sorry that was very insipid but it was a real yay that was yeah. that's really sweet yay. portland thank you it felt yeah. really genuine i could see that <laughs> from you and i i appreciate that i mean listen like i still am not good at at, at cooking or um <laughs> my house should be tidier and i don't have like a, a boyfriend or girlfriend yeah. no, or non-binary no. love of my life or like you know all those like movie things where people have a really tidy home and then it's romantic and the kitchen looks great and they've got you know like <laughs> no. do you not have a giant bowl of lemons on the counter for uh, no reason right. no or like copper pots right hanging, right like, of course of course that's my vision of success. Also, <laughs> I still like, you know, I still uh, spend too much money sometimes or like, like there's so many things that, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I can't do a split. 
Um, you know, a, according to your well, palm, that's probably though, why Sarah. you don't have a lever. That's it, right? That's, that's why. It's because I can't do a yeah, split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly. It, but maybe this is like the opening of your rom com. Like this is so your rom com opens with you being on a podcast about having your palm read and two strangers, like t- you know, talking to strangers about your life, and then you walk out your door, and it's not excessive stimuli living in the you know the craziest city in the world, but suddenly there's a meet cute and something wonderful happens. Like maybe this is it. And then I do a split. I, I just effortlessly into a split. And then suddenly there's like a whole pile of copper pots and a bowl of lemons. Oh, and, and, and you win the lottery. Right. The we talked about yeah, that. And, was, yeah. <laughs> and you're not in a coma. <laughs> I'm in a coma. It's so great. I mean, I have to tell you that I, I got so much joy out of just being able to like drive my, my car. Um, first of all, having a car in this city. <laughs> Game changer. Game changer. Um, but being able to drive to like Jersey City to go to Liberty Science Center with my nephews and just hang out with my sister in law for three hours. Like I took a day off from work to do that. And nice. the, I used to just wanna be um I thought like I mean, I published four books in four years and I I wrote five books. One of the books got contracts got canceled because I was fucking drinking and handed in a piece oh. of shit. And like, oh. you know, like that that was in my you know, my like starting around you know 25 mm-hmm. when I was like ooh publishing media comedy blah 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 I was so all about like how many podcasts can I be on how many tv spots can I can I be on doing talking head shit about bullshit like how many you know the stuff that I that lit me up um it was like a you know it's like a it's like a um an arcade machine <laughs> and it just you have to keep winning those tickets very jersey shore metaphor for me to go into but like you have to keep winning wanna, those tickets if you want to change the subject can we just start talking about ski ball like i'm all there with you <laughs> portland i love ski ball so much. oh my gosh reintroduce That's- the show we're starting the ski ball podcast right now <laughs> does it's it just- say on my phone that i used to on dating app profiles i would specifically say that i wanted to go to ski ball dates because no i used to way. do that ski ball mm-hmm. is the best i have listen listen are we getting married well i mean yeah. long distance but still ski ball our <laughs> long distance, long distance ski ball, ball. <laughs> long distance sapphic ski ball uh, <laughs> now there's some sexy syllables there's a callback for you let's just be we'll be celebrated we'll break a very specific corner of the internet <laughs> specific reddit thread ever yeah all right boundaries are falling right and left so, and so are you into the splits so bringing us back to the palm reading, oh, yeah, guys. Palm yeah, reading. all right. I'm sorry, so Lula, I'm getting married at your coast, and we are going to play a ski ball. Thank you. Yeah. But if you don't get me like a little tiny like spider plastic spider ring or something with the tickets, then I won't know you're serious. I understand. No, that makes right. sense. I we're, gonna need, we're gonna need tickets, is what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, I get it. This is great. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm glad this all worked out. Uh, so the, all of this has just been one line on your palm. There's so I she has talking. the most interesting hand ever. Uh, okay. So I move on to the the second line on your palm is your okay. fate line. It's your fate <laughs> the line. The second of 612. Right, so right. I hope you're all still listening. Your fate line is supposed to start around your wrist, like center of your palm, and go vertically up the center of your palm. It, much like a ski ball. Much like right, a, right. I, uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> your language. fate line, however, Sarah, <laughs> appears to start way over here. Oh, that's weird. And it comes yeah. up this way until it intersects the center line of your palm, 
and then reorients and goes up where it's supposed to be. Uh, so it's interesting to me, first of all, the thumb pad represents expectations, responsibility, whatnot. The other side of your palm is the uh, forbidden zone. It is the side mm-hmm. where motivations of yours that you think other people won't respect or are think are respectable those motivations come from the other side. So mm, the shot, like the shadow side. Exactly. Side it's says... not that it's truly evil motivations. Like your right. desire to murder people isn't showing up from here. It's right. just that let's say you've, you've always, uh, Oh, I don't know. Wanted to become a clown or and, a professional ski ball artist, a professional ski ball performer. Athlete. Athlete. Yeah. Let's that's my Patreon. So, <laughs> that, while the producer just threw his hands up in the air uh, and started laughing. So let's say you mm-hmm. wanted to be a professional ski ball athlete, but you know nobody in your social circle would think that's a good idea. I'm that motivation it. would I, come listen, from... I give you permission. I'm into it. <laughs> Thank you, Portland, affirming me. Uh, also, Quila, athlete? Did you say athlete? Uh, <laughs> I didn't I mean, mean to, if that's what I said. I thought, no, you didn't, but uh, that's what I heard, and I had to okay, check myself, right. because I was like, that's the most brilliant, would that be a portmanteau, or a, a pun? Who can say? It's no, perfect, though. No, yeah. So so let's say that that was what I wanted. Yeah, you want to like, be a Whoa. professional uh, ski ball athlete, that right. kind of motivation would come from that side of your palm. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we've already discussed some of your choices of fate in your life. And by fate, I don't mean destiny. It is not about predestiny or anything like that. Interesting. Your fate is about the fate you've built for yourself. Whether or not you have a path, you're following the path, or are you off in the weeds? That, Mm. That kind of fate. We've discussed your occupational choices earlier, that there was a moment where you had set a path for yourself. We're completing it and then did a 180 into a completely yeah. different field. I'm going to say completely different. I mean, they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're related, but yeah. So I think that exact kind of decision-making is what we're looking at here. You had a path. I don't know why it shows up in the forbidden zone, uh, except that perhaps you maybe, according to your poem, always knew this was not the path for you, uh, but you were yeah. following through anyway, which is kind of, crazy to me that you're like i don't i'm not 100 percent into this i'm still doing this my eyes are on the prize i think that says a lot about you uh that you are not someone to be crossed is what i think. oh good i know. don't want to be on your bad side because you will finish the thing that you set out to do regardless mostly, <laughs> if somebody's on my bad side usually um i become very icy and quiet oh, and i knew it so you have it's a, a very shit list. It's, it's definitely and, I don't I don't yeah. try to blow up anybody's uh, house in the manner of my ancestors, but I uh, definitely <laughs> try to. Um, there's nothing you don't have to worry when you turn on your car. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I but, don't know like, about that. As your uh, as your official palm reader, I, I don't know about that. 
I, I just probably won't like fuck with you that much. Like, I won't talk in the in the good way of fucking with somebody. Like I just won't fuck with you anymore. And like so, uh, if you really like me, that would probably be painful. But if you don't like me, it's probably actually yeah. great. To just be what like, a relief! Yeah. Oh, she just pieced out. Yeah. Okay, My- but you know what? In all seriousness, what I what I tried. You know, it, it's hard to write. It's hard to sometimes say to somebody, "I don't like this. This hurt my feelings." So sometimes I, I do back off and I'm quiet for quite a while and I'll uh. even practice writing down my feelings because I'm not used to saying them. Uh, I, I like a lot of people. I just want everybody to like me. And I, it's hard to um, accept that like, ain't everybody going to like you. And trust me, I've, I have endless uh, feedback on the internet from people who don't like me. Oh, no. Well, I mean, more people who do, but there's plenty of places where I can look and go, if I go looking for it, where somebody's sure. going, you know, she's ugly, she's this, she's that, and then I, and I'm not even, like, an actual real deal famous person, so I understand why they sometimes go bananas. But, you know, then you can also look oh. at people going, oh, wow, she's so great, she's so thoughtful, and if you get invested in any of it, like you, you'll all see right with your, with reviews for the podcast. Some people are going to like subscribe five stars, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. They're going to write great reviews and you all should. And then there's going to be people who are like, I didn't like that, that he said the word sky when he should have said the word, um, Athlete. ether. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> and so, and if you get, if you get some of it is, is, helpful feedback when it's focused in such a place but if people are just randomly either blowing smoke up your ass or shitting on you and you didn't like pay for that in a safe space um it's just it's not helpful you can get addicted to being loved or being hated and that is something that's been sort of a part of you know that is why i spend every shower arguing past arguments (laughs) so i need to get that out somewhere for sure yeah the the trying to um is it called monday morning quarterbacking or something i forget what it's called but basically like trying to rewrite the past trying to be like this is what they could have done suddenly out of nowhere use sports metaphors yeah sports metaphor all your haters i cried on an espn espn (laughs) podcast once talking about how much my dad loves the jets and how they have the super bowl since 1969 i'm not even a big sports buff but i definitely openly wept on espn podcast with sarah spain great broadcaster that's extraordinary that is uh, not in your bio as it turns out that's on my it's on my bio it's on my lines but uh, fate i will say i for a long time thought that i should try and force my weird ass into a more conventional career lifestyle oh okay yeah and that was definitely not you right right yeah i i I really even still sometimes now i'm like man like should i be married with kids and and this and that and and my shrink will say to me but you've never tried to do that like you nothing in your life nowhere at any point in (laughs) in your life have you made the attempt to do that is it because i was like well what if it's because i think i don't deserve it and she was like or what if it's because you don't want it? And I was like, no, that's true. But I think now that I should want think, these things. Now I'm trying to think that a few minutes ago when you proposed to me that like you were not serious. Oh, no, I was very serious. I know, I'm and... starting to think maybe not. No, I've never been more serious about anything <laughs> in my life. All right. Ever. It is then my interpretation, though, I, uh, though we're saying things, I think, differently from that. According to your fate line and your headline, which I'm seeing here and – We'll get into that. You have a shit list and there are names crossed off on it is, is how I see this, how I think you're being kind 
I, I, this is neither a good or bad thing. I'm just saying that you're, no, there's, a, there's a tiny, if I, if I have to, it's not written down, but if in my brain I have to summon it, yeah. certainly there are people against whom I hold resentment. I don't mean but, actually written down, but yes. <laughs> but I am, but I do within my, uh, my pat part of my work to be a decent human day in and day out. And who knows if it's working is to not act on that, but rather to look at with help, with outside help, to look at why I hold those resentments, not to necessarily blame myself. I may have a resentment against somebody who did something shitty to me, but to look at it and go, okay, well, where's my part? Why is this still, why is this still stinging me? Um, I can't change that. I can't change what they did, but where's this reaction coming from? Let's look, let's look at this. Like, that's where I have to go with it. Cause otherwise you turn into a fucking nightmare person and i'm already pretty close to that no 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 no. uh okay so i i think we established why your fate line starts where it does why it takes a sharp turn in a different direction but that sharp turn appears to be in the right direction it was a course correction on your fate Mm. line and i like the way it looks it's laser straight and it's near vertical on your palm fabulous are we not going to talk about the freckle on her face? Yeah, just the freckle matter. You can I go into it. It it does. I, I, do you guys really want to? Talk? <laughs> if you'll yeah, notice, I mean, that um, freckle falls right on the line that cuts across yeah. this way here, uh, and it's, it's on a your rest fa- stop on the road to destiny. It, 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 it is something. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. You guys do not care. I'm not going to go that no, deep into this. No, what is the Freckle, does it mean anything significant? Well, in theory, yes. It means that there's a significant point on your fate line. Uh, and because we established with that other diagonal line that shoots way off that way, that isn't one of your major lines, it, there was something interconnected between the struggles you've had and your fate. There was something where there was a moment where you realized a bunch of stuff is incompatible with what you actually want. It was mm. the, it would be a moment that was the impetus, the start, the catalyst for your course correction a little while later. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, sure. No, absolutely. Uh, oh, I, oh. I had, a, I mean, yes, affair. of course. Yeah. I had an <laughs> affair with a married dude. I wrote about it in glamor. You can Google it. Uh, but oh. that absolutely was a huge, huge point in my life where I was like, fuck, like, first of all, if you have an emotional affair, how sad you're not even getting off. Like second of all, you just, nobody's, nobody is uh, coming. Everybody's crying. It's a terrible (laughs) idea. I think it's awful and no one should have one ever, but if Uh, you have had one, I understand. I want you to take a drink from a coffee mug and reveal that that phrase is on your coffee mug. (laughs) Nobody's coming. Everyone is crying. That's an emotional casually, Yeah, just casually drinking. Like, what is that? <laughs> but that was, that was of, of, and I obviously wouldn't bring it up if I hadn't already written about it for Glamour.com. Um, but, with, <laughs> you know, changing many, let me just say, identifying details out of respect for that individual's That's fair. privacy. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, not written in any form of vengeful or hateful way, just sort of, again, looking at, I mean, I think I wrote that maybe I had just quit drinking. I wasn't like working, I wasn't working in sobriety yet, but I had, I was dry as a bone. I had removed, I had removed the pacifier 
And uh, so I, I wrote about that and it is the thing out of all the things I've, I've written about out of fucking books, like podcasts, anything that article is the number one thing that I have gotten the most emails about from people of all ages, all genders, mostly cis women, but not all who are like, they have been the different people in that story. Um, and, and that really, you know, you would think like a, a, a love affair that doesn't even involve no sex, nobody hooked up, nothing, you know, you, but you would think that's not such a thing, but for me, it is what made made me realize eventually I needed to get sober. It absolutely is. And that changed my life. It changed the course of my life in a huge, huge wow. way. So, you know, I'm not wow. necessarily, I'm, I, I would, I feel like it was a hurtful thing to, to engage in. So I, I'm not saying I would do it over if I could, I, I don't believe that I would, but I understand now that that was a very, it's, it's something so shameful, right? I've never been so ashamed of anything in my life. Um, and I've done some things that some people might think were grosser than that, or but that is the thing that I was so ashamed of. And I was like, well, I can write about like why I think I did that. And I was so afraid that I would get a bunch of hate mail, but actually I got a, a lot of mail from people who've, who've had a spouse who did that, who've been the, the other party, who've been, um, you know, all different people, people who realized that their parents had engaged in such things. Like it's just been, you know, and I, I hold those emails in, in confidence and I cherish that people trusted me enough to, to respond. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, that's the thing that jumped out when you said that, which is so sort of embarrassing. I wish it were something yeah. cooler, but sure. no, something that I never <laughs> fucked. I'm sure we all wish that. I mean, I could just say, like, if you want me to, I'll just, you know, we'll edit this. And I'll just say, like, that was when you, like, fought an alligator and won. And now you have those, no, you no, know, no, alligator skin very, boots or something. No, uh, no, no. I will get emails from people I'll who do it. To I'll change podcast. my interpretation if you want. I'll do it. No, no, it's fine. So it's fine. Like, it's, it is the number one weirdest thing that, that doesn't fit into a prescribed box. People understand when you say... Um, I got sober. They're like, oh, everything must be fine now. Like, absolutely not true. If you're getting sober, you know that. But but um, people understand things like, oh, you changed your career. But the idea that, that that, such a strange relationship outside the normal boundaries of even what we consider a real affair, yeah. that that would be so life-changing, you know, that, that was really surprising to me. Also surprising that your palm chose to, like, mark this event as a catalyst for everything else that's going on. Uh, yeah. I was I was going to let the freckle go because a lot of times when I read stuff like that, people are like, oh, I could have just done that with a pen and you would have said whatever. And so I'm like, all right, people don't like to hear it. Fine. And uh, but this was this was a case where uh, you every guys line, made me do it. Dot, every speck on Sarah's palm is meaningful and interesting. That's, or I will make it sound that way in order to be a great podcast guest. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. your chance yeah. of a season two. Uh, I said your, your fate line currently, nice and straight, laser straight, vertical. Your path is correct for you, and you're following it. You're not straying from it. I don't see many distractions and whatnot. Your eyes are on the prize. The fate line crosses your headline, which means intellectually, creatively, you are on board with this path. It is satisfying your mind. However, your path stops abruptly. Your fate line stops abruptly at your heart line, meaning that there is some kind of emotional component with you uh, that is is still a struggle. I think, like, we've already discussed this 
we know that there is a continual struggle for you on on a few fronts. That struggle uh, between your creative potential and then sort of being slapped down by doubt or whatever, there's a specific symbol that shows up on your palm that represents that. It is this X shape that is connecting your heart line and your headline. The X, that perpendicular shape, always represents some kind of conflict. That's why the stitch barbed wire pattern is a bunch of tiny little Xs. This is that same um, principle that mm-hmm. that X represents a big ongoing struggle that you're having. And the struggle is between some emotional component of yours and your creative intellectual side. Uh, it doesn't seem to be interfering with either lines. It really seems to be recorded as a matter of fact that this is a thing with you. It is in fact something you And clearly, we've talked about it. You have incorporated this struggle into your your fate, your occupation, your path. You are addressing and incorporating this continual struggle within you. It is there. You've already acknowledged it. Depression. uh, That that very well. Yes, that very well could be it. If, of course, if that is affecting your creative and your like Mm -hmm. occupational ambition course that is what it is it is connecting those three lines on you yeah it's probably that that makes perfect sense to me because that's been something that i've accepted as a part of my life there are different ways to treat it different things that help and my mom always says like um i almost got choked up and i was like and then and then in my mind my entertainment brain was like you should just fucking cry it'll be great for them and then instantly instantly in the in the course of that split second and you saw my face, I thought, no, don't be fucking performative. Be authentic. All that shit just fucking happened. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. right? Now. But now go ahead and cry. We want to see it happen. <laughs> I should go ahead and cry. I have a, I have a friend who works in reality television. Huh. We're discussing the fact that like sometimes when shit goes sideways, they're like delighted by it while at the same time, you know, horrified by it. Sure. So anyway. It, it is the car like, accident happening in front of you that it's fascinating, but horrifying. Like throwing a vase or like, you know, <laughs> something falling over at a, at a club or somebody falling. Anyway, um, sure, sure. Uh, my mom always says, you know, everybody finds their own recipe. So you got to find your recipe. So oh. what is that? So for me, it's like, you know, right now it's um, exercising 10 minutes or more a few times a week. I try to do it every day, but it's really a few times a week. Um, it's drinking enough water. It's taking, um, for me, it's, uh, Prozac. Uh, it's seeing my psychotherapist. It's doing my sobriety stuff. It's, um, meditating every day. It's tidying my home, a vacuuming every day, like things like this, that, that are not, they're not things that sound particularly noteworthy or glamorous no, it's, because it's they're maintenance, not, but it's important. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, it's the stuff of life and everybody finds their own recipe and it can change over time. Like, will I always um, live in this apartment and have to use that kind of vacuum that's good for hardwood floors? Maybe not. Will I always uh, take Prozac? Uh, Maybe not. Will I always be with this this psychiatrist or this um, psychotherapist who I see three times a month? Uh, Maybe not. Like, you know, these different things I, I, I 
and with sobriety, it, for me, it is sometimes one hour at a time, but it's typically one day at a time. So I don't sort of try to future trip about that, but you know, you're maybe I'll try a different form of exercise, or maybe I will um, be impacted physically in a way that prevents me from doing that form of exercise. Um, you just don't know, but, but you do get to, maybe there's a self-help teacher who helps you a lot. And then over time you go, this isn't resonating with me anymore. You go to a different church, like whatever, whatever, but, um, it's not sexy, but it is necessary. Right. It is such necessary work. I, 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 know, I, I like your I recipe. I love the it. Floors are pretty sexy, actually. You know what, Portland? You are correct. I spend a lot of time on apartment therapy and Dwell magazine, just looking oh at people's fancy hardwood floors, and I'm like, Ooh. same, same, right? Like, what I, I, I mean, and also for whatever, I mean. I, I really have an affinity for um for flooring. I believe it is being from New Jersey. Uh a lot of flooring people, a lot of flooring experts. I love I love a, learning about different like zooming in on people's pavers, for example, near a pool. <laughs> your very important. Your connection from living in Jersey to like really being a fan of flooring just broke my mind. (laughs) I'm trying to like on your pants, it's on your palm. Like that's why it spells out T I L E right there. Quickly. Like, I don't know how you didn't see that. Uh, Yeah. I'm embarrassed, but I've learned something new and I can't wait to use this on somebody else. Are you from Jersey and a fan of flooring? Oh my God. Yeah. New Jersey exists to like pave the driveways of the surrounding states. That's our essential purpose. There might be a body in the pavement uh, that you didn't ask for, but it's fine. We had to take care of it. It's fine. Like that's what we're there for. It is what it is. It's fine. So your fate line, (laughs) we've established (laughs) what's going on there and found the reasons for that, that X symbol or that cross symbol in the center of your palm. Uh, the third line we go to is your headline, which starts uh, at the same place as your lifeline. They overlap a little bit, but then they separate. Your headline is the bottom of the two horizontal lines that cross over, uh, over your palm. Uh, your headline is scarily straight. Uh, it yeah, shockingly, she. It doesn't call deviate. Her she. Uh, it almost goes all the way across your palm. Uh, <laughs> I... I'm happy to see it. First, it demonstrates that, like, intellectually, creatively, you are kind of on another level than people around you. Uh, you'll probably see... Was that not obvious before you looked at her hand? <laughs> it, it is, but I still have to say it. I, I agree with it. commentary yet. I mean, before that, before that. Up to that point, it was obvious. It is funny looking at it, looking at the other lines, and then looking at the headline. It's remarkably um, right. sort of steady, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So the the straightness of it, the length of it would also imply, I mean, okay, so you are next level creatively, intellectually. You are probably far smarter than you let on. Uh, <laughs> smarter than she lets on? Uh, yeah, <laughs> because of the... The, the downward slope of it or whatnot, it, it, it indicates that you are down, downplaying it or you are trying to obfuscate it for some reason that I'm not aware of, but, but it's there. So I, I, that being said, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's all it down for us, in other words, because she's, I think we can handle it. I got gotcha. I think, you know what? I think that for me, um, uh, 
what I found when I was younger is that being, you know, intellectually curious and quite frankly, a, a natural nerd mm -hmm. um, was not necessarily until I got to, to be a bit older. Um, but I, I spent a lot of time in my life trying to ob obfuscate, it's a fantastic word, Thank trying you. to obfuscate Absolutely. some of that because I wanted to, I, I wished that I were good at, at the things that made people cooler. I would, in, at least where I grew up, I wished I were great at, at lacrosse or field hockey or cheerleading oh. or that I were, and I had friends who were, who were, you know, very intellectual and great at those things too. And I guess I always really wanted that. My vision was that sort of um, Renaissance ideal of you're great at um, all these different things. You're interested in all these different things. And I, I, but, but I was not particularly coordinated, not a talented dancer or singer. I just really, I loved learning. And it wasn't until later in life that I learned that um, how to kind of be in my body. Like I thought, oh, I'm so uncoordinated. That's, I'm such a dork. And yeah, you can take walks and do Pilates and nobody gives shit. <laughs> but, but so much of my life has been lived in my, um, it's been lived in my brain as opposed to in my body. Oh, and oh interesting. Yeah, I've always felt more comfortable with discourse and, and, and writing and sort of intellectual pursuits versus physical ones. So my head, being in my own head, for anybody, right, it can be dangerous if we get too obsessive, but I could do that. I could read a book or I could, but but to do, a, well, not math, but uh, I could read a book, I could make something sound fine, um, but to be in my physical body was more difficult, so... Uh, I don't know. Like I really, I spent a long time really wanting to fit in and be cool and just being sort of creating that false self. And um, okay. it's, it's good to lean into whatever you really are, but sometimes you have to be fake for a while. Yeah. To, I, and I, I certainly it. didn't mean it as like a negative you, you know, aspect of you, just that it was one, according to your poem, that it, it was a, a crutch that perhaps you definitely tried out for a while. Uh, the straight line, by the way, the straightness of it and the length of it also sort of indicates that you can perhaps be somebody who's a little pigheaded, stubborn, maybe would be a stubborn. better way, <laughs> in that if you put your mind to it or make up your mind about it, it will be fairly difficult for somebody who is not you to change your mind on a thing. Um, yeah, if I if I have a goal, certainly um, right, I, I will right. wait as long as it takes. Like I'm not on a specific. And, and to timeline. change your mind, it would involve facts or numbers or information. Like that would be the way to try to get at you, or to try to have you see another way. Is according to your poem, facts, information, numbers, data, that sort of thing would be what you would want to cling to in order to reassess the situation or reassess your your take on something. Um, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, for somebody who is as as um, sort of hopefully empathetic uh, and compassionate as I uh, hope myself to be, um, I also do, and, and is more feelingsy and into creativity and art and things. I do, if I have a specific belief about something, I am open to changing it. I just want to, yes, yeah. if somebody shows me enough evidence, I'll go, oh, fuck. And, and, you know, it does, it's a little bit of when it's a dearly held belief, whatever that may be. Right. Um, yeah. yes. it, it, it is an ego hit, but then you realize, wait a second, do I hold this? Am I so, let's say it's a political candidate. Do I support this candidate because I actually think they're going to be of excellent service to the community or is it, be, or, or am I still digging in my heels, even though I can tell 
that they are not what I thought they were, but I'm still digging in my heels with support because it satisfies my ego. Cause I don't want to be wrong. Cause that would be embarrassing. So the way you describe that is, is the thing that I'm trying to describe for you. When I say stubborn or pigheaded, even if it's an emotional decision or an emotional situation, you are still analyzing the emotional component of that emotional situation. Uh, You default to what your brain is telling you versus, uh, well, versus completely relying on your gut instinct or, you know, following your heart or your whims. It's not that those components don't exist in you. Again, according to your poem, you have all of that, but the top level of all of that is an analytical nature even yeah. when it comes to emotions, you're still analyzing the emotional component within you exteriorly, whether it comes to like uh, empathy or anything like that. There's still apparently a strong brain aspect to it, according to your palm, because that line is so straight. Uh, it doesn't deviate even at the tail end of the headline. So this is opposite your thumb, sort of underneath your pinky. I look for a little fork pattern at the end of your headline. You sort of have it. It is faint and tiny, but it is there. That symbol is supposed to represent in decision-making that you, in fact, weigh equally between what your gut tells you and what your head tells you. You are checking with both sides of that for decision-making. However, yours is tiny and faint, which would imply that you are relying far more on what your head is telling you. Um, If that is working for you, if you feel like you're not making a series of shitty decisions over and over and over, if this thing is working for you, then keep doing it. It's working for you as your official palm reader. The advice here would be just be careful that you are not over-reliant on what your brain tells you, that when it comes to decisions, you're not stuck over-analyzing you're not stuck waiting for a sign or waiting for like the right bit of information or the numbers to be right. If that is something that comes up for you, be aware that that's, that's not a balanced decision. It's in fact stalling to make a decision by waiting for a sign that probably will never come or waiting for the numbers to be right or something like that. Just, just be aware it seems like you do check in, but like I said, you are uh, leaning heavily on what your brain is telling you. If it's working for you, okay, but be wary. Uh, that, that, oh, yeah, no, yeah. That's, okay. that's how I'm – what we're looking at in the palm is sort of um, sort of presets. Um, and Nice. That's – yes, thank can, you. Yeah. Right? But we can, like – we can look at those presets and we can go, okay, maybe I can't adjust physically what's on my palm, but I can look at that and go, oh, I see. That's my tendency. That's something that needs to be managed. And I will tell you truly, uh, the therapist I've been working with since I was what, 38, I guess. Yeah. I went to her, um, for help with, with, you know, staying sober and, um, she and I have worked a lot. She had to teach me exercises to, quiet my mind um, so that I could see what I felt in my gut. I didn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't tell her. She'd say, what does your gut say? And I'd go, I don't know. (laughs) Like what? I don't know. Um, I don't know what that feels. What are you talking about? Um, I can tell you, we can make a yes, no, you know, we can make a pros and cons. We can look through a potential assessment. I can write this down, 
but I had never been taught how to do that. So she, some people just know, but I didn't know. And so, um, yeah, that, uh, that has been very powerful. And my friend Sabrina said something to me that was very wise. She said, I said, I, you know, this, this guy who I wanted to go on a date with years ago, I said, um, Oh, he checks all these boxes. He has all these different things that I've said that I would want, but I just have this feeling that I don't know why, what's wrong with it. Like, am I, am I anxious or, and she said, Sarah, sometimes the feeling is the answer. So if your gut is saying you're second guessing it, it should be this way. But if in your gut, you're feeling this way, don't go on the date. And I think that's true because I could have just put off the date and then kind of meditated on it further and maybe it would have been oh Sarah you're just anxious because you got your heart broken last time around do go on the date but the answer was oh no something's off here and you just you're just reading it you're not trying to protect you're not this isn't a maladaptive strategy this is the thing that humans have we have a gut feeling that's right. a second brain right. um so that has been just something I've been really learning to do more starting in the past few years of my life. So that makes sense, right? That it would, if I'm in, if I'm in presumably, I mean, who knows how long I live, and I know this is not about timeline, but if I'm in presumably what we culturally consider to be in biologically middle age, right? right, right. Um, it would make sense that, that this shows up as a smaller thing because it's not been the, it, the weighing of both hasn't been a part of my life up until the past few years. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Your interpretation, you're very good at this, by the way. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I get the impression that I am actually out of a job. And... <laughs> no, not at all. Excuse me, you're too pretty to be out of a job. Oh We're my getting gosh. married. We're getting oh. married. <laughs> We're going to need two incomes because ski ball does not pay for itself. No, we're going to have a whole arcade in the basement for sure. <gasps> oh, P.S. I definitely, we're going to have a basement. I once was considering going on a date with somebody who had a lot of red flags, but they had this incredible arcade machine collection. And I was like, man, that's so cool. But even I, even me, the person who's not good at checking in with her gut, even I was like, Sarah, that's not a, that's somebody has neat stuff. Look, it's a reason. It doesn't have to be the reason. I mean, yeah. Sarah, I love the way that you said that these are presets in your life. I absolutely love that. I am stealing that. I will now, from now on, say that to people. But uh, I also want to say that those presets aren't permanent. If if you actively work on something, and again, this is all palm reading, of course, take it with a grain of salt, but if you actively work on an aspect that is represented on your palm, your palm lines will change. It may take time, of course, uh, but I, I always found that fascinating uh, for That's so cool. people whose palms I've regularly read from year to year. We we both, me and, you know, the palm read E, uh, the mark. we both see lines move around or disappear or change. So that I love the so idea of the presets, cool. though. That, that speaks to me. That's the language I like because uh, I think it's so understandable neat. for everybody. And I'm always struggling to get people to understand palm reading, you know, and, and what I'm trying to explain. Okay, so that was your headline, and we've pretty much established everything on there. Fabulous. Last line is the heart line, uh, and it starts underneath your pinky on the very edge of your palm, and it's the one that curls up this way towards, for you, towards your uh, index finger and middle finger. I like to see a smooth upward curve here, sort of mimicking the smooth curve of your lifeline. 
anything flat or even worse, a downward curve would be terrible. You don't have that. So Thank congratulations. You. you are not a psychopath. Yay! Yeah, right? That we know of. <laughs> that we know of. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm pretty confident, but... And we don't but, even know who's, whose hand this is. No, it's curious to know. I just said lines can change. So... <laughs> So yeah, right now you're not you're you're not a psychopath. That's great. That's great. Does yeah. it mean anything that it's sort of got this like little feathered situation early on where there's little lines coming off of it, uh, like, it uh, on the left side? A little bit. So uh, so the curve is there. What I also look for then are where the lines come apart and back together. So they're like these little islands, these little almond shapes. And you have a bunch of them all throughout mm-hmm. your line. They're all the way through it. Those almond shapes, those eyelets, are representative of very strong emotional connections that you have. Uh, I mean, that I see them there, that I see that chain just means you are a very functional, emotional person. You can make connections that are beneficial to you. Uh, and so that, that's all great. This is all supporting the not-psychopath uh, interpretation. <laughs> it uh, sounds like from a pro- professional perspective, um, uh, that might be good for things like networking. Yeah. And then from a more emotional, personal perspective, that might be somebody who might be prone to making some really dear friendships or falling in love a bunch of times. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Excellent interpretation. That That is, I would, I would agree with that. To answer then your question about the very beginning of your line being sort of feathery like that, uh, it's interesting to me that uh, despite the rest of your lines always starting off your palm, this is the one that sort of doesn't. So this would imply that there is a longer than usual sort of learning period to figure out who you were emotionally or what you wanted emotionally. Uh, I, I don't have a timeline for like when this started to gel for you, except your own palm is saying it gelled for you in your very first, very strong emotional connection to something. I say something might not be a person. It could be, for example, we discussed your upbringing with uh, Catholicism. If you were, in fact, a very religious young girl, uh, (laughs) this would show up as a very strong emotional connection. For example, if you had a a horse or a pony that you absolutely loved, that might have been your very first strong emotional connection to something. Oh, princess. Sure. Scrambles. Oh, no. Uh, Yeah. So I, whether it's a person or not, you know, you, you don't have to tell us, of course. Your palm is yes, just saying. <laughs> that's true, Portland. That's, that's true. That's why we're here. I'm sorry. Uh, it uh, might have been the church. It might have been, it might have been religion. It might have been, I mean, I always, um, gosh, it might have been that. I always certainly have been a spiritual seeker. One of the reasons I'm here. Um, different ways of figuring out how to be in the world, how to be decent. Um and uh, I think when I was younger, it was probably how to be perfect and never do anything wrong, which oh, is absurd. Yeah. Uh, I will settle for decent now. Yeah, please. Um, yes. You know, you hope that it, I hope that at the end of my life um, that I will have been mostly decent to most of the people I encountered. Uh, I think that's a reasonable thing to, to shoot for. But yes, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, gosh, when I was really, you know, early on, the things that I I I related very strongly to a desire for um, some kind of spiritual connection for sure. 
And at first that what I got was church. So that made sense. And then as I got older, that didn't make sense anymore, but, but that continues. I mean, that's why I have tarot. That's why I'm talking to, sure. to you all about palm reading. It's why I am interested in astrology, interested in things that I actively describe as bullshit. Yes. Yeah. Oh, same Sarah. Same. <laughs> yeah. Oh but yeah. That feels good to hear somebody else say it. I say stuff like that to Portland and, you know, I, I get a military grade eye roll because she's far more skeptical than I am. So I, it's nice to hear somebody reflect that back at me. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of being in the, the point of going, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, um, I mean, my dad, my dad is a, a fairly practical individual um, and, you know, spent a, years in business and, not somebody I would describe as uh, as a hippie by any means, but he always is curiously to me. I remember him saying, I, I remember asking him if he believed in ghosts and he thought he said sort of like, um, maybe. And he said, I believe that people who um, think that they have seen ghosts are telling me the truth. And he said, I also think that it would be arrogant for us to assume that we know everything there is to know about about think, tangible things and intangible things and he that. to him he much like me made it an intellectual thing and said yeah. well think about there are diseases people thought could never be cured there are um medicines people never dreamed could be discovered there are you know laws of thermodynamics etc that like so so it would be arrogant to assume but you know it's good to keep your feet on the ground but to maybe be open-minded to certain things why not because it doesn't hurt anything to just be open-minded i i yeah i i subscribe to that as well i'd like to think uh okay so then for your heart line uh i don't see anything disastrous like breaks or anything like that you have the a continuous chain of islands great you can make emotional connections islands in the stream that is what we are (laughs) (laughs) by the way when those islets islands when they close off that doesn't necessarily mean that emotional connection is also closed off or broken or whatever it could in fact mean that that connection is considered default and does not need to be recorded anymore on your palm so that's why oh, that's cool. instead of having overlapping eyelets, it looks like they close off and another one starts. It's just saying like, this one is now a regular thing. We don't have to maintain that recording. Let's start this other new fascinating thing. That's nice. Uh, it's like this person who's special to you has joined your life. Yeah. Yes. In that, that, in that and, sort of braided yeah. rope kind of pattern. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, um, unlike my parents who've been together since they were 17, I... Oh. I've never gotten married or I've never had, I've never been with somebody for that many years, my God. But um, I I think that, and and as I get older, um, you know, it does get, when you're not in school or in some sort of in-person work setting, it gets a little harder to make friends. But I find that I still do just slowly and they're fewer and farther between, but I uh, you know, I'm not somebody who has a big crew to go out to brunch with or something, right. but I do have friends scattered around the world who I cherish very much. I think that's like just the human condition there. I, I, yeah, I don't think that's a reflection on you at all. I think that's that's how it is as we all, you know, get yeah, older. Yeah, as people age, it does seem yeah. that way. That, yeah. that And sometimes you let certain friendships, relationships go just for a time and they come back when you're more mature. And sometimes they're just done and that's okay too. Yeah. And sometimes you just meet your soulmate like on a podcast about palm reading, which is amazing. Thank you. And then you you open a ski ball business at the junior <laughs> store. Right. 
in our basement. Our basement has such good flooring. Oh Oh my gosh. I believe it. I have a feeling you chose it. (laughs) I did, but I I, I really listened to your input though. Like we went to the showroom together and I really thought about it and like made a list. I think it's clear that I've made a pros and cons list. There's definitely a pros and cons, obviously. Obviously, I see it on your pop quiz. Know what that one means? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's right. Uh, we'll say right here, right here. Okay, yeah, great, that's great, yeah, great. that's the right. ski ball line. So, <laughs> so one more thing. I have one more detail. Then on your heart line, uh, I look for how the lines cross your heart line. For you, uh, there's a bunch of lines that hang below it, but do not cross. I, I I'm trying to illustrate here on your palm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's very distinctive on your palm. There are no lines that come from above like eyelashes. They're all hanging like little vines below the heart line. That specific pattern then represents people who hang on to you emotionally, people who are using you emotionally. It may be uh, that you're okay with it. It may be that you allow them to use your perhaps emotional stability or something, your emotional strength would probably be a more appropriate way to describe it for you. You, you have people who hang on to you that uh, negatively, I would say they're sapping your energy only because (laughs) there doesn't appear to be a mutual uh, connection here. These are people who are definitely hanging on you for your emotional strength. However, it only I feel like if I made it happen, it looks like it's flattening your heart line a little bit, meaning that they are, in fact, taking more from you than they are giving to you. Uh, However, the line is so deeply cut. It's the deepest cut line on your palm, your heart line. I would say that you have plenty of emotional strength to spare, that they are not, in fact, draining you of emotional energy uh, it looks like, well, I guess I would say if, if you are aware that people need you emotionally, that, that they, they they use you in that sense, and you're okay with it, then then it's fine. Much like the, uh, the other line where I said if it's working for you, the decision-making process, then fine. It works for you. It doesn't seem to be uh, overtaxing you. Same thing here. If you're okay with people hanging on in that sense and not reciprocating what you give them, then fine. It's working for you. You have plenty of emotional strength, strength to spare. If you are starting to feel like they are draining you, if you're starting to feel like there's maybe one too many emotional connections you have going on, then as your official pawn reader, that would be the advice here is you <laughs> may want to consider cleaning house a little bit. You may want to mm-hmm. consider cutting some of those emotional connections off because specifically they're not reciprocating. That's uh, a great point. And I think that um, what I have been doing in the past few years, and I think many of us during the, the pandemic have done this, we've looked at where we needed to shed some excess weight. And I mean, emotionally, yeah. <laughs> yes. not body shaming anybody. No. I'm yeah. And yeah. It's like, good to be specific we, about it. Yes. Yeah. Emotionally, we have looked at where we need to shed excess weight on this ship we call life. And in some of some relationships for me, the work is to go, what do I get? Sure. I can frame it as so many people use me. There are these hangers on, but for me to take personal responsibility is for me to, and that's my job is to say, okay, 
look at this, look at this, look at this. In these relationships, these people were taking various things because I was giving those things. They weren't stealing from me. I was giving these things, my time, Mm -hmm. my money, my energy. Why did I choose to do that? And for me, often the answer is because it put me in a power position. If I'm the one who's giving and I can complain, oh, they're draining me, they ask for so much. Um, in my mind, I am the powerful one, but that's not actually true because that person actually has more power and I'm giving it to them. So rather than stay in this dynamic where I get to be a martyr and complain to somebody else about how this person is taking so much, I just have to conclude that relationship or back off from it. And that's been a, a painful process, but it's been necessary. Sarah, do you feel like you're the kind of person that everybody thinks you are their best friend? Everybody wants to be near you. Everybody wants to chat with you. Everybody thinks you're so cool and great. And I don't, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but everybody thinks you're their best friend. But in actual fact, you have only a few close friendships of your own. I would say that, um, I would say that, I mean, I feel, I want to say yes, but I also feel like that's very egotistical of me to, I, so I, so yeah, I, what all, I it's just, it's just you and no, me talking. We're being real here. Yeah. <laughs> what I will say is that I think that, um, because I'm, I really enjoy people and I really lock in and like, even, you know, now I'm, I'm looking at the camera, even though that means I have to see your faces out of the peripheral, because I want to create the experience that I'm making eye Aww. contact with you for Aww. you. Right. So that. I'm going to just stare at you now. I'm just staring with our giant eyeballs. <laughs> um, it's a real curly hair, giant eyeball situation over here. But like, uh, I think because I want people to like me, sometimes I make myself what I think they will want to like, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in actuality, and I think that's true for a lot of people who are drawn to performance, um, performing arts in general, but uh in reality, while I do, I think, try to come off as affable and funny, because I think I am those things. It's not like secretly inside right now. I'm like, fuck, I wish I was doing that. <laughs> I'm having a great fucking time. It's fun talking to you guys. But um, when I, yeah, it's it's very few people who are close, close, close friends. Um, I Again, I'm not somebody who has, this is a crew of my girls. We're all doing this. Or I don't have that. And I always thought I should. I thought there was something wrong with me. Uh-huh that I could enjoy a party and have a great time, but spent needed to spend a lot of time alone, a lot of quiet time and um, just kind of share, share real stories and feelings with very few people. So I was like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I, I couldn't figure it out. And I think the truth is that like, I naturally am more of an introvert than it would seem. I mean, if, if the way we define these things, and this is so broadly speaking, it's not what Carl Jung meant when he came up with these terms, but, uh, and I believe he originated the terms, but, but if, and I apologize if I'm wrong, uh, <laughs> psychiatrist listening, psychologist listening, but um, if, if I'm defining the term as how do you replenish and regenerate, it's like my dad says, Superman in the rays of the sun. Like, what is that for you? If that's being around a bunch of people who are so fun and being in a crowd or going to, uh, a concert, blah, 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 blah. Like you might be extroverted. And for me, it's being quiet and being alone, listening to an audio book, maybe being with my cat, like maybe taking a walk by myself, but then I still have to go back to, you know, that, those things, um, those things would point to exactly what you're talking about. I think. Yeah, that, that absolutely makes sense. And it, it, 
I love that it all jives with your palm. Uh, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. In particular, uh, I loved hearing you explain your process for being okay with people who potentially take from you emotionally and, and aren't giving as much back because all of that sounded very analytical. And I mean, and this isn't like a gotcha moment or whatever, but like that is what we discussed a little earlier is that even in emotional scenarios, it's still an analytical thing happening for you. You're still going through uh, a mental process to process an emotional situation and I love that. That's that's what your palm says. You agree with it, of course. And then we we just got to see you demonstrate it. Uh, super fascinating to me. That's why I love doing all of this is because I, I you know I like to see how people uh, do stuff. And you get a window into people's lives. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's not. Yeah, it's not like a, you know, a creepy window into people's lives. <laughs> this is all well, collaborative. And, uh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. People are giving you information and you're using a particular rubric through which to filter it. And you're, you know, you're, you're presenting it back. And I think that the, not to call it, um, I don't mean that it's a game, but using just the phrase, the game of it yeah. is somebody going, okay, I'm in. Let's think about this. Exactly. Let's try and yeah. find where I can place this. And that's where the magic happens. Because if I just sat here and was like, nah, nothing fucking happened. Right, nah, right. nope, I don't know. What Which could that be? Has we've had happened. that guest. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that is a thing. Yeah. And that's interesting in its own way. Yeah. But to me. No, let, no, no. Let this. me stop you there. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> to me, if I'm going to do this, that's why I asked ahead of time. Like, do they really and i know uh portland is more a sort of skeptical and on the fence and and is more well you're both you both bring elements of doubting and belief into it but like i was like well do they do they do they actually believe this because if we're just doing bits that's like i don't want to do unpaid comedy labor like that's yeah. fine yeah. Yeah. but I, this I, is I we're not just doing bits Quila likes to do the research and and have this great knowledge and the skill and talent for looking at people's hands and interpreting what he sees. I just like talking to strangers. But you're good at getting people to open up. That's a skill as well. It and it's, is. It's the pairing yes. that is, that is, you know, is key, I think. Um, but this is, I mean, this is also, this is really cool and it's really interesting. And it, I like that you, your approach is not, when you're 50, you will meet a, a haunting wizard. And I'm like, that would be dope, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, that was going to be the last line that I read. Well, no. you check oh, no, the haunting wizard. Check back with us when you're 50, because we want to yeah, know. We'll find out. That that was my interpretation, uh, uh, by the way. I, I've, I, I've got, unless there's something specific that you want me to look into, or, I mean, like the freckle, for example, was uh, very <laughs> fruitful. Uh, otherwise, that yeah, I've, I've said my piece. No, this is great. Thank you. And I, I mean, Ryan, good luck editing this. Okay, I, we're back. <laughs> I gotta process this myself, and I also. Hey, Rob, I, Rob, fuck! <laughs> I'm ruining the edit. Well, Quila, like, I'm glad that you have seen all that you have seen, and Sarah, I am. Uh, I'm frankly delighted by having uh, this experience. <laughs> but I need to take a break for just a second because I uh, I need to shop for a ski ball appropriate wedding dress. So we'll be right back. Hang on. 
Oh my gosh, that was a lot. Sarah, you are the greatest. You know, we talked earlier, uh, hours ago, seemingly six or seven hours ago, about you having been a part-time goat. Uh, I think you are, in fact, a full-time goat. I don't know what this means. Are you a Sagittarius? Is that what we're saying? What? I I write... um... One of the things that I do, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Sarah Benicasa that funds um, uh, the uh, the non-commissioned work that I do. So the stuff that doesn't come from a literary magazine or like, you know, a, a tiny role on SVU or like whatever the other, the other things, my full-time job uh, doing uh, nonprofit stuff. But like, so I wanted to make a Patreon just to fund my weird art. And um, so I have been using that to make uh, illustrated short stories that I write and they are collaborations with, with visual artists. So uh, I did a story called arena was a Scorpio with my friend, Robin von Swank, who's a great photographer. And I did a story called the only goat girl, which uh, included photographs by me and then illustrations by my friend, Robert hack, who co-created the chilling adventures of Sabrina comic book. He does a lot of stuff for the doctor who comics. He does a lot of work with BBC and their comics properties and in the only goat girl, mm-hmm. uh, it's I, I have a goat mask, and there's a character who is a goat human hybrid, and we go on an adventure with her. Very oh, normal. Got it. Yeah, absolutely normal stuff. And that's for kids, right? <laughs> clearly, clearly, not at all inspired by a horror film, but it is a redemptive tale in the end, and it does have oh. a very sweet ending. All right. Well, yeah, that does make a lot more sense than what I was having to come up with in my head for a brief moment. Okay. Well, that's it. I've got a goat mask, basically. She does have hooves. She is cloven, right? That's yeah, Okay. No, 100%, 100% <laughs> cloves. Love it. <laughs> you guys, I have done this podcast not having eaten today and having had oh. um, approximately 10 ounces of cold brew coffee. Mm-hmm. So I just want you to know that everything I've said is informed by those nutritional choices. <laughs> and I actually love it because, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get high. I don't get drunk. Uh-huh. Um, so I have, but, but I have found that you can achieve altered states uh, simply by like staying up too late or having coffee on an empty stomach. <laughs> Amen. And so it's yeah. getting at it. She yeah. needs to be all done now. <laughs> No, 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 no. I just want you to know the, the, the influence. I'm flying high on caffeine, which is a hell of a drug. All right. I was oh, ready for her to like, so like mic thrown down and just like walk away. Like, oh, I guess we're finished here. Okay. Uh, do you guys always record for like two hours? I'm so sorry that I have been so, uh, it's, it, we kept guest, it on. Only when the guest is interesting and interested. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. So that makes sense because I'm sure you know you do. I know I for a couple years I was a host and producer on Sirius XM and the show was about sex and love. It was called Get in Bed. And I know from that experience that you would I was in my twenties, I would have thought that everybody who came on the show was down to talk about sex, love, and relationships. That turned out to not be true. And it's very interesting to have a guest because they're probably there to promote something. So that might be why they're resistant to the subject at hand. They did it because uh, they booked them or they oh, whatever. Yeah. And it's like really hard to, as an interviewer, to draw them out when they have kind of a resentment about being there. So it's really not about you, oh. but I can feel that way when you're sitting behind the mic, like, what the fuck? Why are you talking? Why, to why, me? Are, why are we doing this? Why did you say yes? Yeah. <laughs> right. Why do you, sure. hate, us? Why do you hate? Yeah, us? it can feel really. It's it's really 
it's really interesting as an experience. Um, and you do, I do think interviewing in the, in this format, um, you, you really, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, obviously Quitla through, through your work, you get a whole view of people, but you really do get to see another side of, of how people relate. And I'm sure you also have yeah. some people who, who, who cry or get emotional or maybe you will. I wish. You will. I wish. You will. It'll happen. They tend to cry after, which is weird. <laughs> oh wait, we're talking about podcast. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I knew it. I knew, I knew that's where you were going. And, uh, I'm a sucker for that joke every time. <laughs> also, here are you primarily booking comedians? No, we're we're okay, sort of yeah uh, yeah the 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 spirit of show is just anyone in the industry just because cool. yeah there you Sarah people like you are already fascinating and that you you you're already doing so much it's very nice so it's it's nice to talk to you and then of course for the audience to to see this side of somebody who is so creative and so talented is a side that we don't often get to see. So yeah. And, and then as we've discussed, Portland and I are super nosy. So this is sort of our way in to excuse that behavior essentially. So, That's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, for me, it feels like free, a free, like a, you know, incredible um, sort of spiritually therapeutic session. I feel like Thank I'm you. cheating Thank you. by doing this. <laughs> I'm like, Cheating, is, uh, cheating whom? Cheating whom? I, or cheating what? I like. I should be paying you guys for this. Okay. I'm not going to, <laughs> but I should. Be. I mean, oh, 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 I see. <laughs> I'm to the gods on social <laughs> that that sends you more people, but like, so you know, maybe in a roundabout way. Uh, but you know, like, I, it really is such a valuable experience. And also, wouldn't it be interesting if more um, actual, like, uh, well, let me not say like, more mm. conventional. Hmm. Therapy sessions also had just like somebody who was just there to be like, I don't know if that's yeah. true or not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm available. So whoever needs me to just come and be skeptical about their entire life, like, yeah, yeah. Like a skeptical yeah. therapy sidekick situation. I don't think that's what you, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. I don't yeah. feel that about you. A skeptical yeah. co-therapist. I just don't being know like... how helpful that would truly be in life. <laughs> but I have always said that if I was in charge of leading people's lives, things would be different, you know? And I have I have my platform worked out for when I am, you know, Lord God, King of the world. It, sure. The, one of my first issues is flesh-colored pants are going no, to be No, that's out. valuable. That's out correct. Lot. We're going to Upsetting. have... We're going to have one, uh, like, completely normalized and agreed upon... Uh, ability to take a phone number over the phone <laughs> okay i like that you know if i say eight five and you go eight five like no i'm just let me finish saying my numbers right we're gonna have that's gonna be a thing i'm with you on this all mattresses of all sizes will have handles have that's you ever smart. tried to move a handle a move a mattress with no handle Come i on. actually think that my mattress right now which is one of those sort of you ordered off the internet and it's cool it's great not. but i believe yeah i believe it may be handle free and i believe that's why it stayed on the floor for quite a while. <laughs> so it's like I'll just sleep here. I have a lot of ideas. So if people need my input, I, I'm ready. I, no, we have the time. Why don't we just go down your <laughs> manifesto right now? Well, and, those uh, are the top three. Those your are my top three, seventy-five right? point manifesto. <laughs> but no flesh-colored pants is a really big one. Yeah, yeah as you said. Yeah. So this podcast is essentially a vehicle for Quitla to work with new people. And Portland to engage in world domination and propaganda. And oh, I love all of it. There. We're getting there. Yeah. 
getting there. So, but in terms of Quitla's ability to read your past, present, future, and palm, wh- where are we at in accuracy? What do How you did reckon? it go? Right. Oh, I think, I mean, I think I would say a hundred percent. Oh, nice. I'll I'm take also it. giving myself huge credit for that. Because <laughs> I was an active. Well, that sounds like a backhanded compliment a now. You're uh, interpreter, that's for sure. You were uh, the well, best I think I was just, I was receptive. Thank you. But I think it's because <laughs> I was receptive to it. So if I had been resistant to it and it was just like, fuck, no, fuck, no, fuck, no, it wouldn't have like it may it may have been a week later if i was able to chill out and realize he did have some great points the accuracy would have gone up to 100 percent. you know what i'm saying like right now in this moment because i was with you 100 percent. but you gotta you gotta have an active participant who's down because otherwise somebody could be like no fuck you no if you're in denial it's not gonna be 100 percent. i know i'm just i just i'm dancing around what i just said 100 percent, but like that's it's just something <laughs> that's coming to me from this experience. It's really striking me how you need like a non-resistant client. And I'm sure for therapists, patient who actually like, you know, is into it, but also who wants to participate. And, but also I think that you were careful to be um, sufficiently sort of general, uh, like specific enough, but not, I can see how you were getting instincts and seeing things and using what you've learned through your experience and through study. But I also see how some people kind of um, could do that and then sort of abuse the trust of the querent. Sure. That's the scam part. Is there somebody with a letter L in your life? Right. Right. Yeah. That's the scam component or the the cold reading component. Mm -hmm. The fascinating thing, and this isn't like a rebuke of it, I I, I, I love your interpretation of it because that is what it is. It is collaborative. That makes it more effective. I have read palms where somebody wants to be the wall to see what I say. I've also read palms even more remotely where I just have a picture and I'm simply typing up an essay of my interpretation and then I hand that over and like, how did I do? And it still works out. Like I'm still cool. able to hit how, on how points. How does it work? I don't understand. I don't know, but that's the part point. I love. Like I don't get why it would still, sometimes, sometimes it would still work. And that's really kind of neat. Also, I don't always say the same general things to everybody where it's mm-hmm. like the same technique of like, there's somebody with an M in your life and that person means a lot to you. Right. I'm not saying those same generalizations for everybody, which is also crazy to me. Why, why would people's palms be specific enough that I could give only the information that seems to be relevant for that person, as opposed to going through this same 10 talking points over and over and over till one of them works or something like that. I'm still, I'm still like 50-50 on like, whoa, this is kind of weird, fascinating that this kind of works. So, but if it's still bullshit, it's still palm reading, it's still astrology, it's still what it is. I get it. But I, a reading like yours, Sarah, makes me even more in love with palm reading. This worked out so great. Thank you so That's much. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank thank you so much. I'm really honored and appreciated. And, um, you know, I'm going to take some of the things. What's great about things like this is that, uh, you know, if 
if somebody is fortunate enough to have a support system in their life and they have an experience like this, they can then take it and ponder the things we've talked about and discussed. And then, or if there had been places of resistance where I was like, fuck, no, absolutely not. I could look at that and go, Ooh, where did that angry no come from? You could have just said that doesn't apply to me or that doesn't resonate. So where did that come from? Why were you so mad about that suggestion? It doesn't mean the suggestion is true, but it means that there's something in there that you need it's to look still at. And I triggered that's, something, right? Yeah. You know, I can go talk to some friends. I can talk to my sober people. I can talk to, um, you know, my therapist, like I can talk to, you know, my brother, like, so it's, it's cool. And, and you know what, like I've had experiences recently with my friend, Jessica Lignata, where I said, my tendency to loneliness over throughout my life. I've looked at what that comes from and come to understand it from the sobriety model that I follow. I've looked at it from depression through talk therapy and through psychiatry, but I've never looked at it spiritually. So let's do an astrology reading about that. So that was really cool. Like it works all different ways. Well, Quila is magic and Sarah is delightful. And I think we've done it. I yeah. think we read another Hollywood poem. Yeah. You did it. Portland, you're a star too. You're all stars. You heard it here. You heard it here. It was fantastic. Sarah's the best. Thanks for listening to Hollywood Palms. Please rate and review the show with five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. And if you didn't like the show, you could just keep that to yourself. If you want to know more, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash Hollywood Palms. Subscribe to the various tiers to hear exclusive episodes and learn about other premium options, including getting a personal reading by Quitla. You know, I might be there if you want me to be, and I won't be if you don't. Hollywood Palms is produced by Rob Beals. Our logo designed by the talented David Polston. Music by the delightful Miguel Garcia-Hull. Hollywood Palms is a Genius Royale production.